Hey everyone, this is my brother Michael. My brother Adam. We're the Sharp Brothers. You're listening to Mentoring for the Modern Musician. everyone hey welcome to the podcast welcome back welcome back it's been a little while it has been a little while it's and uh all good stuff all good busy career stuff busy, on this end. busy exactly but uh it has been a li- it's been a minute it's been a minute as been they a, say it's been a hot sec it's been a hot sec <laughs> behind the scenes we have been trying to get this susan oh. ruth interview to happen it's not just like going back and what, forth two through two months three months yeah and i think we started a recording this is our third attempt. <laughs> I'm I'm not kidding. It is the third attempt. I forgot about. We that. had technical difficulties twice. Twice, which and, is just, which is weird. Yeah. So, so I think that uh, the wait was worth it though because oh. what you guys are about to hear is just I feel like uh, you know I'm sitting on a gold mine. I'm sitting on a gold mine. <laughs> so we're gonna get out of the way and let you listen to this amazing human podcaster, podcaster, songwriter, painter, visual artist, visual artist. Uh, Comic? Yes. Sketch artist? Improv. Improv person? I mean, come on. You're going to love this. You're going to love this. Everybody, Susan Ruth. Hello, gentlemen. Can you hear us? Oh, man. We yeah, can, I can hear both of you. We can hear you. You can hear us. It's a glorious thing. It's a wonderful, <laughs> it's wonderful day. And it's a miracle. It is indeed a Christmas <laughs> miracle. <laughs> It is a Christmas miracle. Thank you so much for doing this again. <laughs> Absolutely. It's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. We're so excited to finally have you on the podcast. <laughs> yes. You know, it's, it's the best things in life you have to savor over a long period of time. I like that. I like that. Yes. It's, absolutely. So it's going to be good. I can just tell. Oh, we can feel it. Absolutely. We can feel it. <laughs> so how's the weather on the West Coast? Oh, it's beautiful. It's so sunny. It's wonderful. We had a couple of days of rain, and uh, which fed all the flowers and things and the water tables, and now we are back to sun. Well, we'll take rain over fire. Yep. Any day, right? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, that was that was scary there for a hot minute. No pun intended. Yeah, yeah. It was uh, pun completely intended. Come on, hot minute. Yeah. Yeah. Come I, on. I've not experienced that because fires are so unpredictable and. You know, I grew up in earthquake country. I lived in tornado country. And those things, at least you have an idea that they're coming. You you know how to get safe from them for the most part, unless you're in Tornado Alley, obviously. You put all bets are out there. But in Nashville, when you heard the sirens, you were pretty assured that nothing was really going to hurt you. But with fire, it's so unpredictable. My dad called it the dragon. And it just... takes over everything it sees. Totally. Yeah, totally. It's actually kind of a good metaphor for the music industry, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah. Exactly. Well, which side? Is the fire the business side? Of course. The shrubbery? shrubbery? We are shrubbery. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Yeah, that's about right. So bring us back to the beginning. How, where did you get started in your, in your musical life? Well, I, I was in professional touring choirs as a child. I was part of the Seattle Girls Choir under the direction of the esteemed Dr. Jerome Wright. And uh, we nice. toured around and, and performed and did all that fun stuff. And uh, once I got out of that, when I grew out of that, um, went to college, 
and just really touch music for a minute, just trying to figure out what I was doing. I'd always written poetry, but that was the extent of things. And then my mom actually read about a songwriting contest that Billboard magazine was putting on. And she said, you should enter this. And I said, I don't know how to write a song. And she said, well, <laughs> guess you should just try. And she double dog dared me, which as we all know. Oh, that's it. You got that it is, then. That's a gauntlet you cannot the gauntlet ignore. gauntlet has been thrown so, down. Exactly. Yeah. Challenge accepted. <laughs> yeah, so I wrote a six-minute song. It was terrible. Six-minute song. But I mean, I had good poetry. It was about a stalker. And oh uh, not my own, just a general stalker. Yeah. Because, you know, angsty, yeah, angsty no, totally. young girl has yeah. to write about stuff like that. Yeah. And, and I went to perform the song my roommate at the time played guitar and I didn't play guitar yet and mm-hmm. uh, I said to him hey do you want to go play this at the open mic which was terrifying to me but I wanted to do it anyway I had incredible <laughs> stage fright and I went and performed that song and the owner Bill Pritchard who I adore still a great dear friend he came up afterwards he said that was a really cool song come and play this is the cliff notes version of my of my musical life by the way but he said come and play at a a show you can do the whole show for tips if people like you then i'll give you a basically a residency yeah and i said yeah and i said okay now keep in mind that when i got up there to sing the song which called let it go by the way and uh i was so (laughs) terrified my vibrato was off the hook. I could have been an opera singer in that oh, moment. I bet. My knees my knees were shaking. I was so scared but I just went for it. And the fact that he asked me to, to come back and I said to him, Well, uh, I only have the one song and he said, Well you better get writing And I was like, Oh okay. So Kurt, my my roommate and I went and wrote about eight songs, I think. And we just wrote. We didn't know what the fuck we were doing. So oh I said fuck what this did. Anyway, yeah, so we fun. wrote that we wrote this song and got up on stage and performed for the show, invited everyone we knew. Also, I was terrified. And uh, we made almost 400 bucks in tips. It was crazy. Oh my and the place was packed. And he came up to me, Bill Pritchard, the owner of the establishment, came up to me and said, Well, you are now officially part of the Madison family. And I started performing there. And really, that's. Between my mother and Bill Pritchard, that really set me on the trajectory of my performing writing career. That is incredible. I made records after that. Yeah, and I've made some really cool albums. Uh, first album I made with uh, a guy named Kenny Varga in Nashville, actually. Uh, went to Nashville, did that record. It was a folk, poppy record. And then uh, came back to Seattle with my band, and we made how to say goodbye mm-hmm. and then after that i made everything to breathe in london and new york basically with peter gabriel's band jerry Murata, 2011 uh wow. are you kidding me uh, be, no it was a great team it was incredible kenny asher played on it oh my god uh, just wow ridiculous lizzie damon uh played on a couple songs and then uh for bass and she was in my band and tony levin <laughs> okay. so i got the rest I- I gotta, I gotta interject then and find out how did that happen? How did, how did that kind of band get assembled for you? So, and how to say goodbye album feels very self 
and as we met. And the Hot Say Goodbye album was out, and a friend of mine said, oh, I know this guy in New York. He's an Englishman named John Velasco. You should, he's in the music business. He knows everybody. You should send the album to him. And I said, okay. So I emailed him, and he said, uh, well, you're a friend of that person, and so you can send it to me, but I'm really not listening for anything right now, and thank you, but no, you know, kind of thing. Right, right, right. Yeah. And in my naive persistence, about a month <laughs> went by, and I emailed him again, and I said, hey, I know you're not really looking right now. But you know. <laughs> so this went on for probably about six months. And finally, after browbeating the poor guy, he uh, he responded. He said, "All right, I'll take a listen." And I said, "Thank you." And then I immediately got an email back. He said, "Oh my God, this record is amazing! Come to New York." Wow! <laughs> so, wow! Yeah. So I flew out to New York, and he began working out a plan. Uh, he got some people together, and I was poor and young and all that. And he said, "Hey, you know, here's this girl." She has these songs. I'd, I'd already had a new pile of songs. She said, here's, uh, here's some songs. If you like what you hear, will you do it for, you know, less money for cash or whatever? I'm sure the union does not want to hear this. But oh, that's yeah, true. yeah, yeah. So, it anyway. happens all the time. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, I was just a poor girl trying to make my way. And exactly. they all they all listened to the songs, and they, they totally got behind it. They said, yeah, we want to make this record. Wow. And so... We, we recorded in Woodstock at um, Jerry Marta's studio, yep. and we recorded, uh, we rented a flat in London and got all the English people to be on it. We did leave room for Peter Gabriel to sing on it on one of the songs. This is the album is Surfacing to Breathe, and on that album, we left a little room for Peter Gabriel to do something, but the timing, that would have been so insane, oh, but the timing didn't insane. work out. Yeah, but I mean, I get to go to Abbey Road and walk around, and uh, the guy that played cello on my record was the first string cellist at Abbey Road, and it was an adventure, for sure. Wow. And uh, unfortunately, someone on the project stole uh, all the money, and so it died. The album got done, but then all my touring and promotional money had been taken away, and I had raised everything myself, so wow. it was great. Yeah, it was a very hard lesson, and don't trust anybody. Right. Um, yeah. And I basically it sent me back to square one because I didn't have anything to to do anything with. I was penniless basically. Oh, and yeah, it took me about ten years to pay off my credit cards for that project. Oh, but oh. somewhere in the middle of my massive depression for like, oh my god, it's this isn't what I'm. I mean, I was always oh, yeah. my all the reviews were insane. The BBC, you know, wanted to put me on an English tour. And the guy that was supposed to help me set it all up was the one that did these diabolical things. So Ugh. that had just vanished into thin air. And um, and just sweet John, John Velasco, my mentor to this day, a dear friend, you know, we did what we could to try and fix everything, but there was just no way because his name and my name was on the contracts. And, not John, but no, the, no, no, the no, person. Yeah, yeah. The, but you yeah. know what's interesting is years later, I was in a coffee shop having a meeting with a sync guy, and he said, "Tell me your story." So I started telling him this, the long story. Yeah. And when I got to that part, without missing a beat, he looks at me and he says, "Was it?" And then he named the person's name. Oh my And God. I said, "Oh my God, how did you know that?" And he said, "Because they did it to a friend of mine." And I was like, oh, oh. "Okay." At least I felt like I wasn't so alone. But in the moment. 
Oh, devastated yeah. Yeah, without right, any money right. thinking that's it my career's over everything I worked so hard for and planned for is gone because without mm-hmm. money we all know you don't go anywhere in this yeah. industry oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah and uh, I was pretty bummed out and I got a phone call from my friend Nancy who was in Seattle at the time as did I and mm-hmm. <laughs> she said what are you doing I said I'm moping leave me alone <laughs> And she said, she said, you're too good. She said, you can't just give up. I said, what's the point? I mean, I really was at the yeah. point. I yeah, was yeah. The, obviously, this isn't the plan. I thought it was what I was right. supposed to be on this planet for, but clearly it's not. And she said, well, okay, feel sorry for yourself as long as you want. And then when you're done with that, call this number and go to Nashville and write with my friend RJ Meacham. And I said, okay, fine. <laughs> and I'm so bossy. Wow. <laughs> oh, my God. So I called up RJ, who at the time worked for Records in Nashville, and he's such a love. And he said, hey, I hear you've got this stuff. Fly out here. Let's write together. And I said, okay. So I, what did I come to lose at that point? So right. I did. I went out there. And we started writing. And that began a relationship of writing that, you know, started developing over like a year, year and a half. And then he said, you know, what, why don't you move here? So you're too good of a writer. You should be writing for other artists, too. You can still work on your own stuff. And that got me to Nashville. I mean, it's it's a weird thing. And I got to tell you, when I went to go see the Amy Winehouse documentary, I went with my friend, uh, Mm -hmm. Ellen Severe Modesti, and I. We went down to the Bell Court in Nashville. And we went to this movie. And I walked out of that, and I was sobbing. Just absolutely sobbing. And Ellen said, what's wrong with you? I mean, it was bad, but geez, what's, what's going on here? And I said, I just realized why the plan worked out the way it did. And she said, what do you mean? I said, well, I said, according to every major review, every magazine, billboard, the Kings of A&R, everybody were like, this girl is poised to be a superstar. She's going to, you know, she's going to do it. There's a wall for the platinum albums. Like all the reviews were just glowing from all over the place. Everything was on, on the path. And then this thing happened. And I, at the time, when all that was going down, I was so really insecure. I didn't know who I was. I had issues with, you know, I drank and, you yeah. know, dabbled in substances and yeah, things because yeah. mm-hmm. I had a, a intense childhood in places. And so I was self-medicating, I would say. Not, sure. not I wasn't ever depressed or anything, but it just to deal with, I guess, PTSD is what they call it now. Yeah, just yeah. all that stuff. And then having this other thing, I think if I had made it then, You'd it be dead. would have probably killed me. I'd yeah. be dead. I yeah. wouldn't have. I wouldn't have handled the criticism because even right. when they love you, they hate you. Oh, right, right. As stuff, much as they love you, you're going to hear not... from the other side how much they hate you. Exactly Absolutely. right. Absolutely, especially with trolls and all that stuff. Oh, God, I wouldn't right. have been. I wouldn't have been healthy enough mentally. Just. It takes a long time to outgrow your childhood, you know what I mean? To work on stuff. <laughs> yeah. I've done yeah. therapy and all that all yeah, that yeah. all those things. But I realized in that moment as I walked out, I'm like, Oh, there's a bigger plan for me and it wasn't that, that that would have been one thing, but I wouldn't have survived it. I mean, I just knew it in my gut. Yeah, and now yeah. I have a human pod, you know, the podcast. Yep. Yeah. I've written for other people. I write for myself. I have all these I'm painting. I would have never been a painter. Like Right. All these things, I'm like, oh wow, there's just so much more that I didn't know. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Well, so that, especially that's where especially, we are now, right? And especially as a young artist, you think that the only key to happiness is to yeah. to be that success. 
to be that yeah. huge and that it looks top like of that. the charts. That's what it looks like. Right. Mm-hmm. And then it's, you're mm-hmm. right, as you get older, the more you find that, well, you know, there's all kinds of different types of success and layers of success and that, you know, happiness and joy can come <laughs> in a lot of different ways. And more. Yeah, I think when you're younger, you also think more is more. And in fact, right. less is more. And yes. you don't really understand that. Yeah. Yeah, totally. So I, 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 I want to ask, so what year was that that Nancy sent you to, you know, to... Uh, I w- I've been in Nashville 13 years. Okay. I just left Nashville. So it was so it was like 15 yeah. years before that. I mean, two years before that that yeah. you sort of. And how did yeah. she know? And how did she know him? How did she know? Yeah. Uh, how did she, she know the writer? A, oh, how did she know RJ and yeah. Curve? Yeah. She had been going back and forth for Na- to Nashville for years. Okay. So she had um, she had already established you know friends and stuff mm-hmm. there. Well, that's great. I just want to I, I I wanted to know because it's one of the things that we talk about all the time is how relationships are are everything, and that you can't you know you can't have relationships so that something will happen, but that no. most of the time that's how something happens. Yeah, is from having a friend. I like- I really live my life as best I can, and I'm not perfect at it, but in service. Is if you're in service to others, and it's not because I think things will happen that way. It's just because that's how I live my life. Yeah. And you know, people can smell bullshit a mile away. <laughs> yes, and absolutely. When when I moved when I moved to Nashville, I made a really specific decision. I'm just going to shut the fuck up <laughs> and listen. Yeah, wow. I'm because. And I came to Nashville with a pile of awards behind me. I had swept the Seattle Music Awards. I had, you know, vocalist, yeah. female vocalist of the year, songwriter of the year, album of the year, uh, rock album of the year. Like, I had all this stuff. I had won XM Satellite uh, back before Sirius, back when it was XM and Sirius, you know. I yeah, won yeah. the XM album of the year, indie album of the year. Like, I had everything was seriously coming up roses. And I could have shown up. Now, granted, I had that money taken and, and stuff was definitely right. not going well. Right, right. But as far as my career and my talent and my ability, it was all there. But I still, when I got to Nashville, I showed up with the idea that I don't know anything. Which that is... even though I was an accoladed writer, if that's a word, I don't know, in Seattle, it, should it didn't be a necessarily word. mean anything in Nashville. And and we don't we don't know until we get there and always be in the room with people smarter than you. It's the only way you're gonna learn, you know? And yeah. and I knew that in Nashville I was surrounded by people way smarter than me. And I have <laughs> learned so much about songwriting and the craft of it. Oh yeah. You know, it living there. Well, interesting. Like going back to your uh talking about how you always wrote poetry. Like Yeah. That's, you know, pretty obviously your superpower or one of them is that words make sense to you and connecting words to emotions like you have to in poetry, that that's something that came naturally to you and that you've mm-hmm. been able to use that with your songwriting, but that that's that poetry isn't necessarily songwriting right out of the gate. It has to be molded and, and helped to become songwriting. And the fact that you had the, for- well, that you had the foresight okay. to listen to people like that in Nashville and really hone that skill of yours yeah. is brilliant. Especially as an accoladed singer and yes. songwriter already. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I just got out of the way and, and absorbed because I, I mean, my God, some of the writers, I mean, most of the, the, especially the hit people, like the old school, like the Chuck Cannons and the Tim Johnson, may mm-hmm. he rest in peace. And the, 
you know, Walt Aldridge's and uh, the Deanna Bryant's and these people, the Liz Roses, you know, they yeah, yeah. masters, they're masters. And I mean, would you, let's say you could paint some cool paintings and then you went to go hang out with Leonardo right. da Vinci, you know, would you tell him how, You've right. painted a bunch of paintings, and right. you're so cool. No, you shut the no, fuck up. No, you shut the fuck right. up and get out of the way. Yeah, and just yeah. listen. Yeah. So, and when I got to Nashville, the other thing I did, um, again, because I thought it would be a good way to be a part of a community, which this is this industry, as full of devils and demons, it's a community nonetheless. Is right. I volunteered. I went to Naris, the Recording Academy. I said, how can I help? And so I volunteered there. I volunteered for the National Songwriter Association. I just, I went and showed up and said, I, you know, let me push some tables around. Let me pour some wine behind the, you know, whatever, whatever it yeah, was. Yeah. Let me take up the catering. And that's how you get to know people. Uh, well, again, what's brilliant is it really is, I, I love that you're talking about that you try to be of service, that you try to live your life that way. And it's really easy to think, when you're just getting into the industry or just trying, just starting your career that, oh, okay, so she was really successful because she's always doing stuff, so I'll do stuff, and then I'll meet people, and I'll get something. But you can't mm-hmm. do it just to get something. You have to do it. And, and yes, that's where lots of the get comes from, but it can't be your motivation. Sure, a lot of horrible people succeed. I mean, the industry's full of horrible people that succeed. But that doesn't, it just, it, I made a decision at the very, very, very start with that very first record. And I, it's not like it was a hard decision to make. I was an underdog, for sure. I grew up an underdog. I've always been an underdog. But I looked at myself in the mirror, metaphorically, and said, no matter what, I will always be right with me. I will always be able to look myself in the mirror and know that however I live my life, I haven't hurt anybody intentionally, you know, and that I'm not going to hurt another person, especially to get ahead. And that has probably hurt me in my career along the way, because I noticed that people that are more dastardly (laughs) do better, but at what cost? At what cost? And nothing there, it's the coin of the realm type thing. It's like nothing is, to me, nothing's more sacred than your self-worth. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I like that a lot because it, it, uh, it puts another really shines another light on the fact that you realized after watching the Amy Winehouse biopic that it saved your life Mm -hmm. to Mm -hmm. have that. Like nobody who would be dastardly (laughs) or underhanded (laughs) would ever realize that. That's not, yes, Mm -hmm. that your definition of what a good life was then and how you were able to live it because of that is not something that would ever occur to somebody like that. Yeah, so. I maybe I don't know. I I just know that like I had some really beautiful moments as a performing songwriter of people coming up to me and telling me how the songs touched them or, or whatever. But yeah. you know, and I still love making music. I still love performing. I still write for other artists. It's still a, a gorgeous experience. Mm-hmm. But I gotta tell you, this other stuff I do is just as beautiful. And yeah. I sound all hippy dippy, but it's, <laughs> I mean it to say, look. The, the reality is a tiny, 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 tiny percentage of us succeed to the levels of the, you know, Selena Gomez, the Pinks, the, and the, right. you know, whatever, right. the, all those people, the topper most, uh, the Aerosmith, you know, the, yeah, the very, the juggernauts, right? Yeah. Right. The, that's a very slim few. And so 
as artists, the rest of us have to look at what it means to, like you said, what does success mean? Because I'm, some of my lovely, super talented friends, every time they hit a success threshold, they're looking for the next success threshold, and they are in a state of unhappiness that knows no bounds. They can't call yeah. out of their unhappiness right. because every success isn't a success anymore because it's already passed. Right. It's a very dangerous way to live one's life. It's so hard on the psyche, you oh, know, yeah. and this freaking business will kill you. Oh, yes. Literally under exactly. Yeah. It's so great. As you describe it like that, it, it really is. I mean, that is sort of a truth anyway. I don't get, I don't want to get too, you know, philosophical about it, but, but that it is all the process. If you're waiting for it to be the result, the result only lasts a millisecond. Everything mm. else that leads up to everything ever that matters ever is the process. It's the foreplay, baby. It's the, yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. And the industry is so rotten anyway. It can be so rotten anyway that if you're if you're not paying attention to the foreplay. That is my new that's the way I'm gonna describe it to everybody I'm teaching now. It's I'm, all about floor play, baby. Come I'm, on now. I'm not. I'm gonna I'm gonna describe it in a different way. <laughs> I think it's fine if Susan H- says H- it and like we laugh at it, but I don't think you should be saying it. <laughs> you don't you think that'd be creepy? I, I think that'd be creepy. HR is gonna send us a letter. <laughs> <laughs> Music industry and HR, I don't think there's no, such a thing. Exactly. I don't think so. Exactly. No. That'd be a hilarious movie though. That would be I'd a like hilarious movie. Actually, that would be a great Saturday night li- Saturday night live skit. Or you know, or would. Second City. Second could, could Oh, yeah. hey, wait a minute. That's hey. a great idea. You like that segue? Jeez, you don't know like anybody that? who could uh, use that, do you? <laughs> I like it. <laughs> How's that going? Well, oh, yeah. it's so much fun. It yeah, is. so when I got to L.A., I uh, auditioned for the Second City Conservatory, and I got in by, for some inexplicable reason. But, I mean, I'm being self-deprecating. I'm yes. decent at it. I'm excited to get better at it. Um, every day you do it, you think, all right, now I'm shit. And then the next day you're like, oh, I've got it. And then the next day you're like, oh, I'm shit. It's such a humbling yeah. experience. And it, your brain works so fast, which reminds me too, you said that about poetry and stuff. One of the things that I tell every young writer that I get set up with to write with, read, 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 read everything. Mm. People that don't read do not make great writers. It's just read poetry even if you hate it just pick up keep reading until you find one you love or you know read some of the classics and listen to conversations around you i'm a huge eavesdropper yes people say jump be active in your life be active when you go to the movie you can still enjoy the movie but my Mm -hmm. god some of the characters in movies say the most glorious things yeah i remember my friend dave berg dave berg who is a genius songwriter and he wrote a song that was a hit for Blake Shelton. And uh, the premise of it is like, one can be a lot. It might even be the title of the song. And uh, I was watching uh, a movie, and one of the characters in the movie, it was an indie film called Pieces of April. And in the film, this grandmother character in the film doesn't say really a word throughout the whole movie, except for at this one moment where she sits up in the back of the car and she says, one can be a lot. And I stopped the movie on Netflix when I called Dave. I said, holy shit, I know where you got the idea for that song. And he said, don't tell anyone. So I tell everyone. <laughs> and I told him, I tell everyone, you have to mind the, the craft is right. awareness. Yes. Right. The yes. craft is awareness because in order to embody 
these stories you're telling, you have to embody the characters and the points of view that you're telling them from. Absolutely. I love the way you describe that, how important it is to live actively, to actively live so that you can create. Yeah, yeah, that's that's the best I'm way. I'm a big to, believer in that. That yeah. really is such a great way to describe that. It really is. So now, so you said that you're still writing, and you're still writing with with yes. uh, with other songwriters. Um, mm-hmm. Are you Found somebody? Some really great ones here that I adore. You do. That's great. Is that how much? Uh, so that leads me to like three different questions, but I'll start with the one I was going to ask originally, which is: Are you somebody who has a publishing deal, or are you somebody who has uh, eschewed that? I had a publishing deal. I, I made it again. These are the decisions that I made for my path. I decided that I didn't want to get a national pub deal until I had something to bring to the table. And so I waited, and I believed in myself. People told me, you'll never get a cut without a pub deal. You'll never this, that, or the other. And I don't believe other people's stories for me. I'm the only one that gets to write my story because it's mine. <laughs> I love and that. people... In this industry, especially, will tell you why you can't do something, how it won't work, whatever, whatever. That's great. If that's their belief system, they are welcome to it. It's not yours. Do not take it. It is a rock that you that will drown you eventually. You know, yeah, just, yeah. just tell your own story. And so I, with that attitude, I just kept persevering, making my songwriting appointments, listening to see who was looking, all that. Mm-hmm. And I ended up getting the um, into the writer room with uh, Dean Sams from Lone Star. And mm-hmm. we wrote a couple great songs that ended up on the Lone Star record. And then I've been uh, wrong before and here we go album. again. Yep, that's right. And then the Reba of uh, that Promise Me Love cut came up. Promise Me Love, yeah, yeah. that came about. Those are great and songs. Those are before I those are, Thank are you. they are heavy duty in my playlist. Like I love those songs. Oh yay! Yeah, I'm so glad. Yeah, Thank they're, you. They're so good. Well, you know, Reva changed a few of the words on "Promise Me Love," and as the lyricist, I was like, "Wait, what?" But she asked for any writer credit. It just she goes in and she she imagines the song, how it makes her feel and stuff, which is fine. It's Reva. I don't. She could have yeah. said. Yeah. She could have sang Bob, 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 Bob through the whole song. And yeah. I was right. like, it's freaking Reba. It's Reba. Woo. It's okay. Yeah, and exactly. by the way, in real life, in real life, that woman is a goddess. She is the nicest, sweetest, most humble, beautiful human being. I'm She's, so glad oh that you God. said that because I'm I love a huge <gasps> Reba McIntyre fan. And yeah. I would have hated She's it. She's beautiful. I would have hated it to hear that it was the other way. So that's great. That's no, so she's great. a beautiful human. She's that alone. When I, it's funny when I got that cut. I know I'm going off. No, please. Yeah, stuff, this is such a funny moment. She was my first big cut. And it's freaking Reba, you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I remember I opened, I was sitting in my, at the time I had an apartment. And uh, I was sitting in my apartment on my dad. And I opened my email. And I see this email from Big Machine uh, Icon. Mm-hmm. And it says, Reba loves your song. She wants to put it on hold. Uh, this kind of thing. And I was like, ha ha. I thought I was being pranked. Yeah. Right, right. Out. Who I is mean, this? I thought, one of my, I thought one of my friends had pranked me. Right. And, then I, I was like, what? and then I realized that I saw these icons at the bottom of the page. And so I opened my computer again. I was like, oh, oh my God. And I couldn't tell anyone. I couldn't tell anybody, right, you know, because it's, it's just a hold and right. yeah, yeah. it holds, you know, a lot of times it never happened all that. So it wasn't until I got the, the final thing saying, yes, for sure, it's on the record. You can tell people it's it's a done deal. Oh my God. And then they sent me the track and I remember lying on my bed and I just sobbed. I mean, I sobbed. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. Because Reba and also because, holy shit, and just all of it that comes with it. So 
it was lovely. And I was so happy. It was that Reba was my first big card. So I called my parents. I said, I got a Reba card. And they knew who Reba was. Right, they might right, right, right. what They'd be like, who's that? But Reba, yeah. like, everybody knows who Reba is. Exactly. Awesome. Oh, my God. Reba that. is like the country music version of Kleenex. Like, you just say yes. Reba. You say Reba, Reba and everybody just knows say who it is. Kleenex. Right. Yes, yeah, there's exactly. Reba, there's Cher, there's Barbara. That was a Barbara. really weird comparison. Yeah, I like but that. You know what I'm saying. She'd know, she, yeah. she'd know you meant that nicely, that Absolutely. Reba's like Kleenex. Yeah. So I'll yeah. have to go back and listen to I'll have to go back and listen to your uh, your recording of it again and yeah. and listen to the the lyrical difference. Yeah, there's it's here and there, and then in the chorus she says romance and love, and I'm like romance, what? <laughs> you know, but whatever, she's fine. I'll give it to her. It's fine. I did notice that the that the I listened to enough of yours uh, to notice that you chose the same kind of reverb effect on your voice as she has on hers, which was kind of cool. You know, they, well, you, you know, what's interesting is, so they had a copy of my album, right? So they had that track. Oh, well, that they track did. So they copied yours. Exactly. That's so Jim so Kimball cool. is the mastermind behind all the beautiful, you know, bells and whistles. And uh, he was the, he was the head honcho there. And oh, that's um, even more. they just basically used all the same stuff. Oh, yeah. that's even oh, cooler. That's, awesome. that's such a great story. I love that. Yeah. All right. So, so I had these things, and I aren't was armed, and I then I could go and have more power when I went looking for a deal. Right. So, because as we all know, publishing deals do not favor the writer at ever. all. So yeah, I wanted yes. to, to come to the table with something, and it it worked in my favor. So, so you, I had that deal for two years, mm-hmm. and then uh, and then I was like, okay, I'm done with having that now, uh, and we agreed that I could mosey on to Buffalo and. So I did, and I'd, I'd already had the idea of coming to LA and the work. So it just all worked out perfectly. That's phenomenal. So, so now you, I'm self. Now I'm self-published. I was going to ask. So now you're self-published. Yeah. But you have enough. But you have enough cuts with with other people that there's never a problem getting getting yourself, you know, in there to write with with other writers of any. I mean, I haven't had any problems with it, and I think a lot of times the songs speak for themselves, also. And totally. I write in so many different genres. So mm-hmm. I, I have that multifaceted that a lot of people don't have. You know, they're they're really great at just country or just pop or whatever. But I, I can write in all these different genres. So, you know, I think that also gives me a leg up in a way. Oh, absolutely. Uh, not to, That's to... the other thing I want to mention. If, if there are songwriters listening, which I'm sure there are, is that listen to our forefathers and foremothers of music. Go back. Go back and pull out your parents' records and your grandparents' records. Go on the internet and do deep dives until you have heard stuff all the way back and all the way back to classical. Because you'll hear modern music and you'll hear, oh, that's Crocodile's Cannon in there. That's so right, weird. Right, or, right, right, exactly. That's twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star. That's mm-hmm. so crazy, you know, or whatever. But yeah. you have to have that. I really believe that in order to develop your craft, you have to know where it all came from. Everybody stole from everybody else. Led Always. Zeppelin stole yes. from old blues stuff. You know, like mm-hmm. it's just it goes back. Always. Absolutely. Not not to I'm, go- I'm off my soapbox. No, no, no. no, no I love it. I, get back up there. I wanna ask a quick logistical question. Uh I don't want to get mm-hmm. too deep into the weeds, but do are you doing all of I your do. publishing stuff or do you have anybody doing um like admin stuff or any co pub? Oh no, I have an admin, Margie Evans out of Nashville. Do okay. right like she's Phenomenal. Yeah, she's great. And she works with littler folks and big folks. And, okay. Yeah, so for, she is, just for, just for again, for songwriters who might be listening, um, maybe could you just briefly define what an admin uh, does for your publishing? 
Uh, sure. Uh, the admin is on the lookout for your cash. So don't just rely on your PRO, uh, which would be BMI, CSAC, ASCAP, and then the host of foreign ones. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you know, that's the other thing. Be aware, especially coming from me. I can tell you, if you don't have your hands in everything, you will regret it because things will go to the wayside. Um, but an admin person uh, looks for where your stuff is being played. They have, built, like Margie that has the ability to look into third markets in places nice. like Turkey and, you know, uh, wherever, uh, Brazil, things like that. And they're looking for where the songs are being played, and then they collect your money for you. That's great. So. And, and when they do it, uh, how's that different than a publisher? Uh, well, they're not paying you a monthly stipend, so you're not owing them the nut. Mm-hmm. So... Like a publisher pays you, let's just make keep it easy. Let's say yeah. a publisher pays you a dollar a month. Yeah. And that's not so far off. Anyway, a publisher <laughs> pays you a dollar a month and you have songwriting, songwriting royalties coming in that are 90 cents. Yeah. Well, guess what? You don't touch it. You add the all goes to your publisher. So you get to keep your writer's share, but not your publishing share. Um, but it gets very convoluted very fast. So an admin person, you pay either an hourly rate or whatever you determine with for a percentage of the whole that they collect for you. So you're not, you know what I mean? You're not robbing Peter to pay Paul. Right. Awesome. That's fantastic. That's great. I love that we got in there because the, one of the big reasons that, um, that I had, I had originally wanted to, to have this chat was because I I had told you, I had been talking to our our mutual friend, Skylar, uh, over at Mm. WME about that. No one Mm -hmm. would talk to me. Skylar, shut up. I know. Shout out, Skyler. <laughs> shout out, Sky. We shout out, Skyler, all the time. Yeah, we do. Um, <laughs> and I was talking to him that I couldn't get anybody, Adam and I could not get anybody to come clean about writer's cuts. And, or splits. Or and splits. How people are doing and that. how that's, so that's weird working. to me. And I that's don't what he said. That. That, that is how he, how, you know, you and I originally got, you know, got connected was, and that was yeah. my favorite thing that you said to me in our original phone conversation was like, why? Why would nobody want to talk about this? Yeah. And that's I'm, crazy to me. My, look at it this way. Here it goes. All right. Mm-hmm. You, uh, let's say you have a pub deal. Yeah. Let's just say this is never going to happen for new writers <laughs> if they don't have big cuts already. Yeah. But the pub deal is going to be this. The publisher gets 100% of your publishing and the writer gets 100% of whatever they write. So yeah. let's start with a dollar. Let's split it in half. 50 mm-hmm. cents goes to publishing. 50 cents goes to writing. Now, however many writers are on that song, the writers share that 50 cents and then whoever those, the writers, whoever their publishers are, some are self-published, some have publishing deals, whatever, that other 50 cents get put up among the publishers and never the two shall meet. <laughs> However, things start getting a little convoluted because publishers can collect money for writers, which is then you get into situations like the Dixie Chicks who had to sue their, their label slash publisher because, hundred million dollars was suddenly audited and found and like, wait, what? You know, so oh you God. and that's the other thing. Audit your publisher. Don't be scared to take active roles in your business life. It right. is a business period. I know it's a little easy to be like, no, we're artists, blah, blah, blah. Right. But people make mistakes. Even when I left my publisher, I, I audited the song list. I said, I want to see what list that you have listed. Mm-hmm. as your songs, what's your co-pub, which that came in as a co-pub, yeah. and what's your mind, you know, and make sure there's nothing on there 
that is wrong. And there was a ton wrong. And it's just human error. Somebody does something or thinks something or hears a song and they think, oh, is that our song? Or you say, hey, I'm really excited about this song I wrote 20 years ago. Right. Maybe we can pitch it. Things get convoluted. So you got to pay attention and audit that stuff. You have all the tools between your PRO and you should be keeping track. I sound like a mom, but I'm like, you should be no, keeping track. No, I love it. No, I love it. This is why we wanted to talk to you. Wrote. Yes. Yeah, it's so important because I'm sorry if the boss can take advantage of you. They will. That's what bosses do. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Awesome. I've asked so many songwriters, hit and unhit writers, uh, do you audit your songs when you leave? And none of them have ever done it. I was like, wait, what? Wow. I can't believe I'm the only one that's ever done that. But I'll tell you, I have worked for hit songwriters. And maybe that gave me a leg up because, like I said, when I first came to Nashville, I let a lot of the hit songwriters know, hey, I have a lot of these business skills. If you need anyone, because y'all are a mess, yeah. <laughs> let me know. <laughs> and I learned a lot in that way, too. And I remember working for um, a, a hit writer, I will not mention, and I started going to his paperwork. I was like, uh, you're owed like a shit ton more money here. He's like, what? Wow. So, I mean, you got to pay attention. Yeah. Yeah, and, and the idea... Also, our PROs are set up only just to really help the big dogs. It's a trickle-down economics yep. in yep. the music industry, and that yep. people don't understand that, but it really is. Well, it's really interesting. The more you talk about this uh, and, and how clear it is to you, you getting absolutely royally screwed over early in your career mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. gave you this brilliant, you know, actual experience like you know livable real life experience about yeah. this is how awful it can be <laughs> hey kids mm -hmm. listen to this yeah but has worked out to your advantage on on the business side has forced yeah, you to I mean, be super organized hope. i make tens of dollars it's very exciting <laughs> My parents, when I got the Reba cut, my parents were so cute. They're like, oh, my God, you'll be able to pay off your house that you just bought. And I laughed. I said, yeah, if we have a time machine, we can go back about 13 years. Right. Yes, right. 100%. But yeah. no, otherwise, I'm paying for the new gutters on the house. And maybe right. some <laughs> right. Times, they have changed in the industry. Yeah. Well, I love, that, I love that you brought that up because that, that actually was something else that I wanted to ask you about having been. So if I'm doing my math right, and you you were in Nashville 13 years ago. That's 2006, right? Mm -hmm. And that means yes. that, that really for the next five to six years, records were still a thing, you know, that sure. people were still downloading music and buying music and doing. And what I'm kind of curious about is, you know, we all know how that's affected everybody financially, right? And that mm -hmm. spins are, are never going to pay the same amount or at least not in our you know, foreseeable future. Right. You're not it was a, the beginning of the end. Exactly. Um, but what I'm really curious about is that I haven't heard, that I haven't gotten a chance to ask very many people about is how, what kind of difference you've seen that make in terms of just the day-to-day -day of being a songwriter, of mm -hmm. working with people and you know, mm -hmm. being excited about a track and what it ha what happens from then, and you know, if if you go into this business to be rich and famous, yeah. you're going in for all the wrong reasons. 
if you get into this business to to be rich and famous, it's a disservice to both you and to your craft. I mean, yeah. and I know incredible hit writers who are now also real estate agents because they can't make a living anymore songwriting, but do they stop writing? No, they can't. It's in their blood. It's not about the money. It's a lovely, lovely perk. And some people like the Shane McNally's and, you know, and the Luke Laird's, uh, you know, are gajillionaires and right. they've earned their money and, yeah. you know, and that's great. But there are a lot of people that, are as talented, if not more, that are not making a living. And they still write every day, you know, or yeah. every other day or whatever. It's just, money has nothing to do with the with the craft of it and the and I even I should say the art of it. Yeah. Because we write songs we write songs a lot where we think I mean, my friends and I are, you know, the artists write songs and they look at it and they go, you know what, this isn't a hit song, but it's a nice song. It's a good song and yeah. I got out what I wanted to say or <laughs> And you have to write those songs to get to the other ones because you never know if this is the one. I used to joke with my, I write with um, Nashville, one of my favorite co-writers is uh, Hadley Canary. She's an incredibly talented performing songwriter. And, uh, you know, I tell her, like, sometimes I wake up and I think, oh, God, we got to write a song again today. But I always leave the session going, thank God. Because going in, you think, what's the fucking point? Nobody's going to hear it. Nobody cares, right. but we care. And so we yeah. do it, and it's a communion, and it's it's this beautiful, beautiful moment between co-writers, or maybe you write by yourself or whatever. Yeah. And and you come out the other side, you're like, thank God I did that, because this would not exist. We are creating these little babies that right. go out to the world. And I'll tell you, as a painter, I started painting in 2007. I if I could, woke up one morning, started painting, turned out people liked the paintings and all that. The rest is history. But, you know, some paintings, 10 years go by. I mean, it's been now 12 years. So 10 years go by and somebody sees a painting that maybe was in my first crop of paintings. I thought, oh, nobody's ever going to love this little baby. And then somebody says, I love this little baby. And <laughs> they buy it and they take it away. And you think... Wow, I can't believe it. I could have painted over that. I could have thrown it away. I could have, whatever it was, yeah. you, you just don't know. Nobody knows. And if you start to second guess the outcome of anything, yeah. I don't know. You're just in trouble, really. And the universe yeah. has got to, you know, the joke's on you. <laughs> right. right, right. No, exactly. Yeah. So anyway, yeah. that's that's kind of a big, big no, thing. No, it's not. Yeah. It's per- it's no, it's perfect. It's exactly. It really is exactly what what I was trying, hoping that you would, that you would get to is that you can't be, it, the goal can't be about making enough money. I mean, it, no, because the goalpost keeps moving. It will always move. No matter where you are, the goalpost will move. And if you live your life trying to score a goal, when a goalpost constantly moves, you're never going to be happy. And what a terrible way to live your life. Like I want everyone to be happy. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That's perfect. Be that's... proud of what you've accomplished. You know, it's, yeah. we create something out of nothing. That's incredible. Yeah, yeah, it's fantastic. That is a brilliant way to put it. It really is. I just read the poster on my wall with an eagle. I don't know. I'm just kidding. <laughs> 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 I'm trying to cheer people up. I know it's, it's such a. It can be a very sad, lonely, stressful. 
freaking money out the window existence. Absolutely. So don't get into it to be rich and famous because you're probably not going to get there. Tiny, tiny percentage of you will. And God bless. I wish all of us could. Yeah. All I'm saying is, you know, love it for the sake of your creator. And no one can take that away from you. And no one gets to tell you who you are or how you should write or what you should think or any of it. You are the dominion of you. And let that be your goalpost. Let that be your guide. Because once you've established that it's you, no, none of that outside noise can bring you down to devastation. And take it from me because I've been devastated. Yeah. Yeah. No, I love that. It's funny. It makes me want to ask you one more question, too, about about yeah. geography. Sure. Do you uh-huh. – are you given – Given everything that's happened with the industry and and the tanking out of sales and the you know really really even more concentration of money in one spot, it, how mm-hmm. much do, it, would you if for a young songwriter would you say, yeah you should move to Nashville yeah you should or yeah you should move to L A or New crap. York or yeah I mean for, I think there is no better education than a Nashville songwriting education honestly no matter what your genre. Sure, they gear more toward country, but mm-hmm. I mean, at least for me, and I can only speak for me, but I learned so, so much there. And it was time for me to expand. So I left Nashville and came to LA, and I want to write for Stink and television and stuff like that and expand that part of my thing. But, you know, if you're a total full on top person, then you might want to stay in the places where that is, like go to Sweden or, you know, be in yeah, LA right. or, or, yeah. or New York. But to learn the craft of writing, I do believe still to this day that there is very few places that will teach you that craft as well and as as deeply as Nashville. It's just it's what they do, you know. I love that it's. Sounds... But you have to use the services that are there, like NSAI, and you know, go to the the camps and go to the lectures and you know, show you have to do the work. And I know that television makes you think that you can just show up to a place and they hand you a check for a million dollars and you're a superstar. And that's great. That works for a couple of people. But, you know, do you want it that fast and that easy? No. I mean, be a master at your craft. I mean, the 10,000 hours Malcolm Gladwell thing. Yeah. yeah. It's something to be proud of. Amen. Couldn't agree more. We've we've uh, done we've done a whole podcast on that. So uh, yeah, exactly. That's I absolutely <laughs> love what you yes. said. It's brilliant. Completely absolutely agree. brilliant way to put it. And I also like that the way you talked about uh, Nashville is almost word for word what I just read an article with Ryan Tedder uh, talking about. So, oh yeah. Yeah. So I'm like, oh, it's, good. you know, if it's and what's great about it is that he's not a country songwriter and he still feels that way. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. you know that it, it's, it's, and I don't consider myself one either. I right. don't consider myself a country songwriter. So there you go. Which is great. And who doesn't love Ryan Tedder? Jesus, what a writer! Oh I my mean, God. come right. on. Exactly. And well, and what's interesting is that you don't consider yourself a country songwriter, and yet you've got some phenomenal, phenomenal country tracks. So. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. So Stuff I do... that will never be heard by anyone. <laughs> <laughs> Well, certainly the Reba and the Lone Star ones are going to be heard by people because uh, yeah, you know, yeah. those are and definitely... And please, anyone out there listening, I am on iTunes under Suzerius. I've got records up there that are mine that I'm singing and all that. And Absolutely. do not be fooled by my squeaky, weird voice, <laughs> talking voice. I sing totally different. Well, I, it's we, great. I literally was just going to talk about that, that, that to go and check you out, too, 
on Spotify and iTunes and Deezer and all the, all the other places. And that the other thing that I yeah. really encourage people to do is to go to your website because there are some incredible uh, representations of some of your artwork on this page. Thank you. Yeah, like just awesome. It's so again, I think we we mentioned this in the in our first go around trying to get this this uh, interview up and going. <laughs> yeah. That I would I could do a whole podcast just talking to you about these the paintings that are on your website because they're all so powerful amazing and we'll make sure we'll make sure we put links in the show notes yeah so yeah for sure thank you i appreciate it you guys are awesome i'm sorry if i kind of railroaded i feel like i it's so hard on the phone because it's like a delay yeah no i know and i feel like i'm talking over and well you know what we wanted to have you on the podcast to hear you talk exactly so We uh, we we so know exactly what we're gonna say. Mission accomplished. Mission accomplished. Yeah. I mean, and that was and it, it was, was easy. We didn't even have to. We didn't even have to pull. It wasn't and like it's pulling teeth. Brilliant, ever. wonderful, uh, sage uh, advice for for anybody who, in the industry for a long time or just starting out. I mean, just brilliant. And I absolutely love your look on life. It's yeah. amazing. Well, that's what I was gonna okay. say. And, and sticking with the with the theme of this podcast, which is to try to give update you know, updated, real, honest-to-God information to musicians. About what the industry's really like. Mm-hmm. But to try to do it from mm-hmm. a positive narrative. Yeah. Um, and to so that the up, when we come out on the other end, you know, you are feeling good and not feeling like you want to just, you know... Drive the car off the road. Off the bridge. Yeah. Off the bridge you know? Yeah, for sure. And, and a true, anytime you hit a brick wall, look to how you can get around it. You know, come up with solutions. It's so easy... I've done it. I've been guilty of this to just bitch and moan about it. But then you have to get out of that, the pity party, and and say, all right, what can I do to change this? this yeah. is, how can I make a difference? Whether it's getting a collective together yourself. Some of my friends have made their own collectives of songwriters, and they're taking the think world by storm. They did it on their own because it was so frustrated that the publishers weren't do, taking active roles in that stuff. Yeah. It, it's easy to complain but just and get it out i think it's important to get all that yeah. stuff out of you right, right. but then go okay now what can i do and team up team up with other frustrated people they're like you know what let's take our power back <laughs> yeah, exactly it's, yes you know norma norma ray that shit <laughs> <laughs> exactly right that is the quote the there we go that's it i think that's norma it. ray that shit come on you songwriters norma ray that shit yes that's right, exactly. Um, and also, please, anyone listening, listen to Hey Human podcast because yeah. that is truly a labor of love of mine, and, and I'm so proud of it, and I want to get it out there in the Again, world. Again, that was going to be in the intro, too, is is that, that I, I'm i a huge, huge fan and big listener of the Hey Human podcast. Yeah. Yay, thank you. It is the coolest. You. It's just such a cool slant on an idea for a podcast to just talk to different people from different walks of life and just see how they do human. I just, it's, yeah. it's phenomenal. And you're a really thank good you. interviewer too. So. Oh, thank you. Yeah. And, I, and I would say a good human. Yeah. Oh, you qualify. <laughs> I will give you my parents' phone number after this. You can call them, call them. They, they like me. Exactly. Well <laughs> done. Well done. Do not tell my mother I interrupted you. <laughs> no, <laughs> never a chance. I will not, not tell you. Not even. <laughs> Thank you guys so very much. It's really it's an honor that you asked me to be on here. I'm just I really appreciate it. Susan, thanks so much for doing it. We really we can't thank you enough and and hope to do it again in the future. Absolutely. 
Yay. Yay. All right. Have a wonderful day, guys. All right. Thanks. You too, Susan. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Wow. That was was amazing. (laughs) Incredible, right? Dude. Right? Just a phenomenal. I'm not kidding. I'm, I mean that. She, like, what a phenomenal human. Well, and this is why. Again, I know we just talked about it at the end of the podcast, but for anybody out there who hasn't yet listened to the Hey Human podcast, De- well, I'll put it in the show notes. Yeah, because it's, yeah. it's she really is a phenomenal human, and and really is interested in how to be human. Yeah. How do you do human? Yeah. Like that it really so much information in there, guys, and just so much really great actionable yeah. advice. Um. And and again, and she I just, hit she hit on all the points that we always hit yeah, on. She did. Do the hard work. Do the hard work. It, you, go to you, it. You can't go into it for the money. Nope. It ha- if it's about the money, you're gonna just spend your life being disappointed. And just it do doesn't some, mean you won't make money. No. And it doesn't mean that you can't have the dream. Right. Of the big payoff. Right. Still, but that can't be your goal. Right. Right. Yes. The goal has to be something. It has know, to be the art. It has to be. It has to be the creation. It has to be the process. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, you know. Go back and listen to her stuff. And, oh, man. And, uh, thank you, Susan Ruth. Thank you, Susan Ruth. And don't forget, you guys, you got this. We got your back. Bye.